Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 19 of Aussie Talks. We've got a very action-packed episode here today. I'm going to be speaking about the Australian Indian Test Series. Day one happened yesterday, and as I'm recording it now, day two is about to commence. I'm going to give you my thoughts on what has been an utterly crazy trade deadline period in the NBA, and of course, we're going to have my big call and my 60-second rant in there. So without further ado, let's get right into it here looking at the Australian-Indian Test Series and uh, what just was a terrible first day for Australia. As far as the fence, India incredible. Rishabh Pant is the star. India win the Test. They win the Series. And they win the hearts and minds of cricket fans all around the world. Yesterday was day one of the Indian-Australia Test Series and... uh, it's fair to say it could not have really gone a hell of a lot worse for the Australians. So I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. I'm going to backtrack probably 36 hours ago. We got the first picture of the Indian pitch. Now, I have seen some terrible pitches in watching cricket. The 2013 Wacker, where there were cracks, it was like a tectonic plate had been you know, smashed in half. That's how bad that pitch was. However, it was the same for both teams. This year's Gabba pitch, it was appalling. It was a green top. It was over in one and a half days, but at least it was the same for both teams. Right here, the Indian curators, the administration of the Indian cricket, have systematically and purposefully doctored the pitch to hurt our left-handers. Now, with play yesterday, did it really affect too much? I, I don't think it actually did because the seamers actually bowled really well and got our both openers out. Jadeja bowled beautifully. Um, and whether or not that has something to do with something you put on the ball, uh, that you know could have something to do with it. And we'll touch on that a little bit later on. And again, that's just footage. I'm not making accusations. I'm just reporting on the footage uh, that has been surfacing online. But I'll get to that in a minute. Speaking specifically on the pitch, Now, Australian Test Summer, the pitches weren't great, but they're consistent for both teams. If you have not seen a photo, go have a look if you haven't seen it. Two parts of the wicket on the left-hand side on on a full length have not been watered, meaning that they are super dry and meaning that it will likely turn more if hit, um, making it quite challenging for the left-handers to drive um, and play aggressively through that fuller length outside the off stump. Now, if you look at the Australian top uh, top six, David Warner, left-handed, Usman Khawaja, left-handed, Renshaw, left-handed, you know, Travis Head, but we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute as well, left-handed, if you go a little bit lower, um, Alex Carey, left-handed, you know, we have a lot more left-handers in play, making it quite challenging for... Uh, if they would have faced spin, uh, if that ball landed on that part of the pitch uh, by the likes of Jadeja, Ashwin, and, you know, they bowled really well yesterday and whether or not the pitch had a hell of a lot to do with it is a good question. Um, but they have deliberately doctored this pitch to make it extremely difficult for left-handers. While, on the other hand, you look at the Indian uh, top seven batting lineup or top six, I think they've got two left-handers. Um, it doesn't make any sort of uh, I don't even know sportsmanship is that the right word for this Uh, the pitch has been deliberately doctored and 
look, we were pretty average yesterday, so whether it did anything or not, uh, we'll have to wait and see with the second innings when we bat and when India bat, uh, commencing in 30 minutes for day two. But it is unlike anything I've ever seen, and... It's going to be very interesting to see what the ICC uh, comes out with their pitch report uh, to see whether there's any sanctions handed out to the curators and to the administration of the Indian Cricket Board Um, because at the end of the day, this is not a curator's call. This is... um this has got to be an administration-type call. If you look at Australia, um, not in the same circumstances, but about, I think it was about 15 years ago, there was a whole thing about how um, boring tests were. There were so many five-day draws. Um, so they went the other way and, and made, you know, green tops and all that sort of stuff, and then games were getting over in three days, four days, and then went back to, you know, flat wickets. Um, and then sort of in the 2021 Ashes uh, series, went back to sort of green tops and that. So that is an administration thing from Cricket Australia. So you can only assume it's the same thing for the Indian Cricket Board where they decide what sort of wickets they want played, whether they want a dry wicket, whether they want to literally not water certain parts of it, whether they don't want to roll certain parts of it. Um, but, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on the pitch. Getting into the game now. First of all, we have dropped the number four ranked batsman in the world, a guy who is averaging 84 uh, in his last 10 innings. And that is, of course, Travis Head. Now, I'll come out and say that his record away from home, especially in Asia, is horrific. Um, I think he's averaging like 16 uh, in Asia. And, look, that's terrible. Um, But at at the end of the day, the guy is our, arguably, with him, Smith and Labashane, the most informed batsman in the world. Travis Head had an incredible summer. You know, in my opinion, should have easily been player of the series for South Africa. you got to go based on who scored the most runs uh, and who changed the game. He solidified that number five position to make it his own. He won the player of the series last uh, two home summers ago for the Ashes. He should have won the um, player of the series against South Africa. In Sri Lanka, he took Forfa on a similar wicket. Probably, you know, that wicket was, I reckon I could have taken a couple on that wicket um, with how much it was turning. But at the end of the day, he took Forfa against Sri Lanka. He is an option as a spinner. He brings that on-field leadership um, that has been criticised for Australia that they lack being a uh, a captain of his uh, Shield, uh, Sheffield Shield side, but I just personally don't understand how he wasn't picked. And it's not even like we've gone okay. We want to eliminate the left-handers because Renshaw is playing. If it had have been, let, let let's say in a like a hypothetical world, let's say Cameron Green played. So let's say we had, obviously, Warner, Kawaja, Labashane, Smith, and let's say we picked Hanscom at five and then Green six. Let, let, let's say he played Green at six. Then, okay, you can say fair enough, you want to eliminate a left-hander um, you know, with a, a pitch that you know is deliberately doctored in a way that it hurts the left-handers. That's fair enough. But the fact is that Renshaw stayed in the side, got a first ball duck, and look, we'll wait and see what he does in the second innings, and to be honest, I don't think he's a number five batsman. I think if any anything is an opener um, and, and I'm going to wait and see and give him an opportunity in the second innings to try and perform but obviously a first ball duck um, if you don't perform in the second innings he won't be playing the next test um, but I don't understand how you drop a guy who's probably the most informed player in our in our group with the bat so 
that made absolutely no sense to me. It also gave you another spinning option. Uh, but once again, I think Steve War even said it the other day. Oh, sorry, he said it yesterday. What are the selectors doing? Um, another bloke used, uh, oh, I can't remember who it was, uh, a guy on, on Twitter, a former, Chad Sayers, I think it was, a, a former Australian player, uh, used a few uh, explicit words to describe how the hell Travis Head uh, is not playing, and I won't repeat those here, but the fact he is not playing is a joke. Now, moving on to the day one play. Australia won the toss. Both openers were gone uh, in the first two overs. Uh, Kawaja had one that kept low. I thought it was missing leg, uh, but obviously straightened enough. Uh, Warnock got a good one, was laid on it, very similar dismissal to what we saw uh, when Stuart Broad was all over him a couple of years back in the Ashes, uh, and it's disappointing to have him start like that, and unfortunately, uh, if they keep bowling that line and that length to him like Broad did a couple of years ago uh, on wickets with variable bounce and usually stays low, uh, he could be in some trouble, but we'll see if he can bounce back on that. Labashane and Smith... Uh, uh, you know, got us out of a hole. Labashane got a really good ball. The, the stumping was brilliant. Uh, Smith got out. You know, Renshaw, uh, you know, first ball to, Jaj- to Jaj- Jadeja, uh, who bowled brilliantly yesterday. Uh, and then it sort of just was a few starts here and there. Carey got a start. Hanson got a start. Uh, and then just got rolled for 177. Jadeja took a wonderful five for butt. I'm just going to comment on this, and I'm not going to say uh, what it is or what it isn't showing, but some sort of substance was rubbed on Jadeja's index finger yesterday. Uh, I, I don't, I can't remember which player it was, but he had it on his wrist, and Jadeja rubbed his index finger against that person's wrist uh, with a substance there. Uh, I think they've come out and said it was a moisturising cream or something like that for his finger, or a pain relief cream, I think is actually what the technical term that they've used. Um, but it is extremely interesting if this will go anywhere. I'm currently in the middle of Tim Payne's uh, book, and it is a great read for all you cricket lovers out there. I suggest you get it. And what he spoke about in terms of ball tampering and ball management is that all teams did it. They had different ways of doing it, and he even accused South Africa of using a substance on the ball after we got done with sandpaper all those years ago. So it's going to be very interesting to see if anything comes of this. Uh, I would like to see a proper investigation and not swept under the carpet, Um, and that's all I'll say on that. I don't want to get uh, myself into any uh, trouble by making any uh, accusations one way or the other. I really just hope there'll be investigation uh, because the truth is if this was an Australian doing this, if this was Nathan Lyon rubbing something onto his index finger, uh, the amount of commentary around it uh, from an Australian sense, from an Indian sense, would be, oh, the Australians are cheating again. So, look, we have seen deliberate cheating from the pitch. Uh, there's no other way around this. So I'm sorry, but there is not. And uh, we'll just see what comes of this footage that has uh, been circulating online. And uh, hopefully there'll be an investigation of it. But uh, as I'm recording this, it's 23 minutes until day two kicks off. How Hopefully Australia can get some early wickets and make some early inroads uh, and dis- dismiss them, you know, only for 200, 250 and then try and bat on what is a very difficult wicket. Uh, but 
we will see what happens with that. So that's my thoughts about the squad selection, the pitch doctoring, the uh, footage that's circulating around Jadeja, um, the Australian overall performance, and uh, we shall see what happens with that. Uh, but I think we might be in some serious trouble this series, but we will see what happens. We begin today with a massive realignment in the NBA, and we will concentrate first on Kevin Durant going to Phoenix in the middle of the night. Now, it has been quite the trade deadline period in the NBA. We have seen KD go to the Suns for basically the Suns' entire future. We have uh, seen Kyrie go to the Mavs. We have seen D'Angelo Russell end up back at the Lakers uh, in a three-way trade, which was an absolutely terrible trade uh, for the Timberwolves. Don't really understand that one as well uh, very much at all because it seemed like D'Lo and uh, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert were at least uh, sort of gelling together decently. Uh, you had James Wiseman, number two overall, former number two overall pick, uh, who's played for Golden State. Unfortunately, uh, has not amounted to the successes of some other people in that draft who were taken quite highly. He has been traded, um, and in return, in sort of a three-way deal, the Warriors get back Gary Payton the third. But it has been a very interesting trade deadline. I don't know how Luca and Kyrie are going to go with one another, uh, considering there's only one ball uh, in the game of basketball. You know, they can't, you know, have a ball each. Uh, they're very both ball-dominant players. I like both of them. Um, but that'll be very interesting to see how it goes. And uh, I think this trade deadline sort of just showcases uh, the shift that has happened in the NBA over the last sort of eight years or so. There is no real teams that are in between like a 7th seed to a 12th seed and sort of mediocre. There's no real St. Kilda Saints um, in the NBA, if you know what I mean. There is a mediocre team that sort of doesn't go uh, up and down, uh, you know, maybe finals, won't make the playoffs one year and then drop off the next and then back and sort of back and forth. It's either all in. And, you, you know, you're trading away picks for superstars to get one or two years out of superstars um, to try and win a championship, or it's loading up on picks. So a team like the OKC Thunder in five years' time is going to be the best team in the NBA um, with what they've done. But they've sacrificed um, winning now for winning in five years' time. And I think this trade deadline period just shows it because the Phoenix Suns have a 38-year-old Chris Paul. They've now got a 34-year-old Kevin Durant. Um and, you know, obviously young Devin Booker and those sort of stuff, but they have gambled a lot of future picks on winning a championship this year. Um, and even look at the Mavs. Kyrie Irving, this is his last year of his deal. So it would be very interesting to see how that um, all turns out for them. Uh, with the way the NBA looks now, there is uh, no such thing as a superstar being set in one place anymore, I don't think. Uh, Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons, it was a new big three. They played 16 games together. Uh, I think you all know I'm not the biggest fan of the way Ben Simmons plays. Um, but it'll be interesting to see now what he's, he's going to have to be the main scorer. And him and Patty Mills are, are going to have to take over because uh, the Nets 
have lost their two superstars. They've gone from a team that had Kyrie, KD, and James Harden uh, to a team that has Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, and Patty Mills, and that's not a knock on those three guys. Um, but to go from three all-star Hall of Fame players um, to this sort of shows that that wasn't a very happy environment to be in, and to walk away with the most notable thing uh, they have done as a group was losing uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks in the semi-finals of the Eastern Conference. Uh, well, it's not great, is it? So that is a failed dynasty there with the, the Brooklyn Nets and uh, back to teams in, in Brooklyn and New York just sucking. So that's uh, what sort of happened there. Uh, the NBA is poised for a lot of teams to be contending. Um, I don't think you've ever had a season where you can make an argument for 10-plus teams, I'd say, to actually win it. Um, my pick right now would be Denver, uh, if I had to put money on it at the moment. Um, the Warriors at the moment are struggling, uh, but I think with a bunch of teams that are sort of, I don't want to say middle of the road, but a bit underperforming, uh, it'll be just getting into those playoffs, avoiding the play-in games, and just making sure that you know you start hitting some form before the playoffs come around. So, yeah, I'd say Denver right now is is a team to beat in the NBA. Um, closely followed probably by the Bucks. Um, and, and yeah, after that, it, it's, it is very close and it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. But very, very action-packed trade deadline there. A lot of big moves. Uh, the worst move was D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers uh, from a Minnesota point of view. Uh, that made absolutely no, no sense. In terms of the best move, uh, look, if the Suns win the championship, it's a very big and bold move uh, and that would be considered a very good trade. But it's been very action-packed and, uh, yeah, there's no such thing as mediocrity or, or you know, staying in that void for a long time in the NBA. You're either contending or you're going for draft picks, and that's been a shift over the last 10, uh, 8 to 10 years probably, and it's going to stay for a long time. And we'll see if it sort of shifts into other sports um, over the next coming years, like with AFL potentially, um, talk of a mid-season trade period, whether that um, sort of rubs off in the AFL with what we see in the NBA with a team that perhaps is further up the ladder, um, you know, trying to get some superstars to, to, to push for a premiership. So whether the NBA effect rubs off on AFL, we'll have to see. Right, it is now time for the return of my 60-second rant. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! So, my 60-second rant today uh, is about something that happened about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, It is about the spokesperson of uh, the World Economic Forum. It is the spokesperson of the leftist elites. It is Greta Thunberg or Thunberg or whatever the hell, however the hell you, or Thunberg or however the hell you say her name. She was confronted outside the World Economic Forum uh, and this was her response to actual genuine questions. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 19 of Aussie Talks. We've got a very action-packed episode here today. I'm going to be... So, as you can hear there, she was just laughing away at actual questions that actually matter. So, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. I'm going to do my best to, uh, you know, remain civil about this. Um, But I can't make any promises because, uh, yeah, well, you know what? I'll save it for the rant. Here we go. Three, two, one, we're underway. Now, this is a person through all my years of high school uh, was almost like per bloody propaganda. 
We watched her TED Talks in English. She was this saint. She knew everything. She was a 16-year-old who didn't go to school, who knows everything about climate change, but doesn't go to school, yep, because you learn otherwise. Yeah, okay, yeah, fine. She might read books, all that sort of stuff. But here she is. Ask actual real questions, not sugarcoating questions by the you know the the media that absolutely love it loves her actual questions, and her response is to laugh because she doesn't know the answers. She's a puppet. I can guarantee you, in ten to fifteen years, when half of her no, sorry, when all of her predictions about climate change don't come true, she'll come out and write a book and go, "Oh, my parents made me do it. We made hundreds of millions of dollars. We've got private jets, all this sort of stuff." You know, she is a puppet. You can't say stuff that you don't believe in. If you're reading off a script, she is reading off a script. And that's 60 seconds done. That's a pretty, you know, pretty nice way of a 60 second rant. But, the, you know, we had propaganda in school for years that she was this saint. She doesn't know anything. She's a puppet for the leftist elites. I'm sorry, there's no other way around it. And she's reading off a script. That's why when she's asked actual questions, she doesn't have a bloody clue. All right, and to finish up episode 19 of Aussie Talks, it's time for Jordan's Big Call. Now, my big call has to relate to what was the biggest topic of this podcast, and it is the Australia-India series. Uh, I'm going to make the prediction that India win two games, 2-1, uh, including they are the India winning this first test match. So when this goes out tonight, this podcast, it'll be probably halfway through day two of the cricket. So we'll see how well this ages, hopefully very poorly. But uh, yeah, that's my prediction. India will beat Australia 2-1 uh, with more doctored pitches. So there you go. All right, thank you for listening to episode 19 of Aussie Talks, the second one in the year 2023. We had a good chat about the current cricket series going on, the NBA trade deadline and what that means to the future of the NBA. And also, how does this reflect on the future of other sports? We had my thoughts on Greta Thunberg and we had my big call as well. Stay tuned for episode 20. It's coming soon and it's going to be a big one. All right, thank you all for listening once again and uh, take care and have a good one.